1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear.
2: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, and Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck.
1: Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 The Scores Hockey Guy Jay Zawoski. Here I, am, Chicago. Woo! Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only legendary. Blackhawks, knowledge extraordinaire, Jay Zawaski. Jay, not a lot going on in Blackhawks land. So what say you? we uh, talk about the uh, Stanley Cup final there?
2: Yeah, that sounds good to me. There really is nothing going on in Blackhawks land. Before I knew we were doing this podcast, I reached out to a couple of people that typically will give me any information. I said, anything going on right now? And uh, no, not really, just draft prep, you know, getting ready for the draft, stuff like that getting ready for free agency but nothing you know really percolating as of now so it's just kind of quiet it's it's a quiet time of year for the teams that are not in the uh at least news wise for the teams that are not in the stanley cup final unlike the nba where other teams are in the news all the time despite not playing especially today uh pretty quiet on the nhl front so yeah let's talk about the stanley cup final uh just wrapped up the washington capitals tie the series uh, at one game apiece, so they got the uh, what you want when you start a series on the road. You want to get that split. They got it. Uh, much cleaner game tonight. Much better played game tonight. But man, game one was awesome. And I know <laughs> yeah. being a being a fan of one of those teams, uh, you know, probably that 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 that, cr- that sucked. Uh, the cry barf die meme is something that became famous during the Blackhawks Stanley Cup runs. And I think the Vegas Golden Knights fans and Washington Capitals fans are ready to adopt that, too, because both games were very stressful. But game one was just out of control. As a, as a fan without a rooting interest, it was just insane and awesome to watch. Did you know
1: there was history made tonight in Las Vegas, Jay?
2: I did not know that.
1: Now, the Washington Capitals have become, they, of all the teams that have ever played in the Stanley Cup final, the Capitals won a game, finally. This is their first Stanley Cup final win ever in any game. Not a series, a game. There are now only two teams who have appeared in a Stanley Cup final and have not won a game. Can you name those two teams? One is St. Louis, right? That is correct. They are 0-12. Okay. Um, wow,
2: that's crazy. Um, I'll
1: give okay. you a hint. The other team has only been in the Stanley Cup final one time.
2: Okay winless in the cup final i don't know i'm stumped i truly don't know
1: uh they played the colorado avalanche in this final
2: uh now i should know it and i still don't
1: (laughs) it is the florida panthers ah yes are the the florida panthers and st louis blues are the only two teams that have played in the stanley cup final and not won a game
2: there you go congrats washington capitals (laughs)
1: you're out you're out of a club you had no desire to be in yeah
2: exactly well it's been good and and you know as I I think you and I sort of agree as these playoffs have gone on you and I have given our analysis and what we think is going to happen and I I don't want to say we've been writing off Vegas but I've you know I picked against them pretty much every round they were in Um, and they continue to look at even tonight in the loss they definitely belong and they can definitely win the Stanley Cup this year, and I think that they are probably the better of the two teams. Um, have you found yourself rooting for one team or the other as we, as things kick off here in the in the final?
1: I thought I would have by this point, you know, 120 minutes into the series, but I I still am in this mode where I've got these two competing desires, and they are equally strong one is to see Alex Ovechkin finally hoist the Stanley Cup I know that a lot of people are like ah OV that punk blah 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 for a variety of reasons but I really do think that it would be a cool thing to see him finally win and I also think that it would be cool from a historical perspective obviously to see Vegas win and to see this market that has so like hugely embraced hockey I mean this is a big deal in Las Vegas right now and it would be fantastic to see them win too so it's really tough to pick between those two narratives and I've just kind of allowed myself to kind of sit back and let whatever's going to happen happen and frankly it's been two really exciting and really different games and I've very much been enjoying the hockey that we've seen so far
2: yeah I agree with you and I thought maybe entering the series, I was rooting for uh, Washington for the same reason you said. I want to see Alex Ovechkin win a cup. He was arguably the best player of this generation. You could say Sidney Crosby. Uh, You could say Alex Ovechkin, fine, flip a coin. But um, to see, as an individual player, I like what Alex Ovechkin brings. He reminds me a lot of the guy that made me fall in love with hockey, and that's Jeremy Roenick with the electrifying goals, the physical play, all that stuff. Yes, I know there were some... I don't want to say off the ice issues, but some unfortunate comments made by Ovechkin back in the day. And I, I'm not excusing them. As you know, we're SJWs. We don't excuse anything. But Big time. um, you know, he's a guy who comes from a different country. He was raised differently. Beliefs are different where he's from. So I'm not I'm not justifying it. I'm not poo pooing it or showing and shoving them away, but I think it's a different standard can be held to people with different upbringings. Anyway as a hockey player, I think Ovechkin is generationally great, a a, a once or twice in all that lifetime kind of player. So I wanted to see him win the Stanley Cup. I think of a guy like Dan Marino in hockey and football, who was, you know, the best quarterback of his generation, arguably, right? There are a couple other guys you can mention, but he was right there and he never won it. And that's sort of the only thing you ever hear about Dan Marino is, yeah, he never won a Super Bowl. It shouldn't be that way. And it shouldn't be that way for Alex Ovechkin either. So I'd like to see him win at the same time if Vegas wins this thing I, I'm it's gonna be hard for me to not have a smile on my face as I'm watching them lift the Stanley Cup it would be incredibly cool for that to happen and I want to get into this a little bit a lot of people talking about like are the Knights good or bad for hockey does it help or hurt the sport that blah 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 I I don't think there's any way it hurts the sport I don't think anyone is saying like I was on the fence about hockey. Now I'm not watching because an expansion team won. I I think it can only be a positive. Chances are it's probably neither. It's probably like, okay, an expansion team won. Cool. Now what, right? I don't think anyone's making their mind up one way or the other on hockey based on the outcome of this final. But to me, the people that, that shoot it down and say that it reflects poorly on the game just don't understand why it happened, how it happened. And if they would do you know 20, 30 seconds of research, they'd find out how Vegas got themselves in such a prime uh, you know in such prime position to win or compete at least for the Stanley Cup.
1: Do you think that I, I have a few questions that I want to ask you, and we'll go ahead and start with this one since we're talking about whether or not Vegas is good for the sport of hockey. Do you think that this run that they've been on, do you think that helps? the next expansion team in terms of driving interest and ticket sales and players potentially signing there. Do you think this run helps in that regard, or do you think it hurts because the NHL might kind of overreact to this and go, well, we want to make the team competitive, but not necessarily a championship caliber team. And then reactively kind of tweak the rules to make it a little bit more difficult to build up the roster and the skill set of the team. But do you think that it's a good thing or a bad thing for the next expansion team, presumably a team like Seattle or Houston that comes into the NHL and evens us back up at 32 teams? Well,
2: you said it totally correctly. And as you started asking your question, I thought it's great for an expansion team, unless the NHL tries to do something to prevent the team from being this good. Like you said, if they don't mess with it, and I know it won't be an identical system. They'll tweak it. They'll improve it. At least, you know, air quotes improve the NHL way. Um, they'll improve the way the draft works. But if they don't do anything drastic and they do it the same way where a team can become competitive right away, of course, that market in Seattle or Houston's going to say, look, there's not going to be three, four five years of just absolute suckage. And then they maybe get good like expansion teams have been in the past they're at least set to be competitive and interesting and you know potentially a playoff team in their first year. Yes, it's unlikely that an expansion team is going to go and compete for the Stanley Cup again whenever expansion happens, but uh, to know that from day one you have a team that's at least a contender to win a division or to win a playoff spot, that's huge. That's the sort of thing that a new market needs to you know, to get the fan base interested, and Vegas had that from day one. They got out to a red hot start, and that city, along and I, you know, I don't want to, I'm not crediting the Knights for this, but I think it was a city that, after the, the uh, tragedy, the shooting, needed something to sort of rally around and to feel good about, and the Knights were there when they needed that, and that played a role too. Um, it's a great story. It's it's terrific that they've been as good as they've been. And uh, I do think, to answer your question, yes, it's absolutely a good thing, assuming the NHL doesn't get in its own way uh, when the expansion happens again.
1: Yeah, it's kind of where I'm leaning to. I think the positives probably outweigh the negatives when it comes to expanding the NHL again. I think that it'd be silly of us to just kind of assume that, Vegas, or that the Vegas – model would be able to be copied very easily like it's like teams trying to copy the example of the chicago cubs where they tore their entire team down basically and rebuilt and did trades and had the prospects come in through the draft and other means that's a really hard thing to do well and i think we've seen a lot of teams who have shown that they can try that model but it doesn't necessarily work so i think that this this cannot be what you base your verdict on when you discuss whether or not this draft process was fair, whether it was equitable, whether it was maybe too good for Vegas. I think that they played the system so perfectly. I don't think another team is just going to be able to duplicate that and to do it again. Like, I just think that George McPhee and his team did such a good job of getting teams to basically give them assets that they wanted anyway, and then give them more assets on top of it. And it just amuses me to no end that this team has so many draft picks and so much cap space. It's nuts. Even if they don't win the cup this year, all they're going to do is reload again for next season. And they can target top free agents and they can do all of these things because they have an incredible amount of assets to work with and an incredible amount of money to work with. I think that Vegas cannot be the, well, they screwed this up. No, Vegas played it perfectly and kudos to them. And I think, I still think that this entire expansion draft process ended up being really good. And I thought ultimately really fair to Vegas.
2: I I agree with you. And a couple of things you said there, first of all, it's hard to duplicate bringing in a staff as good as vegas did from day one a hockey operations staff they brought in people that knew what the hell they were doing and seattle or houston or wherever it is is going to have a tough time matching and building a hockey ops department as strong as vegas did right out of the gate second thing you mentioned the cap space and the draft picks there's a lot of people around the league that think it'll be an upset if eric carlson doesn't end up in vegas and if you add the best defenseman in the game to the Western Conference champion, uh, yeah, they're going to be really damn good for a really long time. And who knows, maybe they want to unload some of these draft picks to get some star players, some high-priced players, so they can compete for cups again and again and again. Uh, if you were Vegas, would you do that? I think I would certainly be looking at my glut of draft picks, saying, look how good we are here. Let's add two or three you know, high salary, upper echelon type players with via trade and uh, and make this team a real true powerhouse and see what happens. I, I'd i be really tempted to do that. You still have a ton of picks and a ton of money and a ton of good players on your roster. Why the hell not go for it? I, I, I think that they just handled it from day one when they hired McPhee and company to take this thing over. They've done everything right. And they they I, I, I really have been impressed with the way that organization is operated i think when a lot of us heard that vegas is getting a team my i was sort of hesitant like oh boy this is going to be kind of like um i don't know it's going to be short-lived it's not going to survive kind of like atlanta where it seemed like more like a gimmick than an actual good idea uh through one year it's been a terrific idea and it's worked out swimmingly for vegas and their fans
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you on that front that it's been a really good it's been a good validation of the experiment to put the NHL in that city. And I think we've said it multiple times now that Vegas ended up playing it perfectly and they're a premier destination for teams. The only thing I worry about is like potential regression next season. Obviously, I don't think you're going to get the same kind of production out of everybody that you got this season. Like how often are you going to get a season like that from a guy like William Carlson or Riley Smith or or an Alex Tuck? Can those guys come back next season and do that again? And the way that you guard against that kind of regression is you get aggressive, like you said, and you go out and you get these top tier players like your Eric Carlson's and others who can potentially, bolster that roster and any downgrade that you see in the performance of some of those guys gets absorbed by that. And I think that they're definitely going to do that. I think that's something that George McPhee definitely has on his mind. And I think that's going to be something that Vegas is going to do as the NHL draft comes up and as free agency comes up. I do want to ask you one more quick thing just to finish up Vegas and then we can talk a little bit. I I feel like we're kind of giving Washington short shrift here considering that they won tonight. And the series is tied now. But I do want to ask you one more Vegas question. What the hell did they give Dale Talon to give up the assets that he did in the expansion draft, man? I look at the stats for these playoffs and I just go, what the hell was Dale thinking, giving some of these guys up? Like, oh, don't criticize Dale.
2: No, no, no. You can't criticize Dale. You can't do that. Why? He drafted (laughs) Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Oh, Those were man. hard decisions That's he made. Dan
1: Bowman, my friend, he didn't do anything. It was all Dale Talon. That's
2: right. It wasn't, it wasn't Dale Talon who gave up Gerard Gallant. That wasn't him. Oh,
1: he gave up Dale. He gave him up. He gave up Jonathan Marchessault. He gave up Riley Smith. The reason I ask this question, just in case our listeners are not as uh, in tune with Vegas' stats as I happen to be, their top two scorers in the NHL playoffs— Both came from Florida. Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith.
2: Well, Smith surprised me. (laughs) Marcheseau, though, was a good player in Florida. I was surprised to see him uh, left exposed by the Panthers. But, you know, what are you going to do? That's Uncle Dale knows what he's doing. Do not besmirch the name of Dale of the flawless one, Dale (laughs) Talon. You cannot. You cannot do that, James. I will not allow it on this here podcast. But you mentioned the offseason, it's going to be really intriguing for Hawks fans uh, and for Vegas fans. I think, I I don't know, I'm really curious as to what the Hawks are going to do. I wonder if the longer cooling off period uh, for Stan Bowman is going to play a role here at all. We'll get into that, though, as the summer goes on. Uh, We're going to take our first time out. We're going to get back to the Stanley Cup final and some other things before we get to your emails as well. We want to tell you that that segment was brought to you by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. It's softball season. It's summer baseball season. I've seen kickball leagues all over town. Your team needs to be outfitted. Your team needs to look good out there on the field. Give Chris a call at Triple Threat Sports. He'll help you design the logo, the fit, whatever sort of uh, level of jersey you want. If you want something like a major league quality jersey, fine. You want a t shirt, they'll make that look great too. Whatever you need, Triple Threat Sports will hook you up. So give them a call, 708-478-6090 or email chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Marishka's. Family owned and operated since 1933, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Go say hi to Joe and all of our friends there. If you've never been to Marishka's, the first thing you're going to want to do is order the Poor Boy. They are famous for their Poor Boy sandwich, and with good reason, it is absolutely outstanding. One of the best sandwiches you will ever experience in your dining life. Not only do they have great Poor Boys, they got great burgers, chops, seafood, everything prepared on site. The twice baked potato is outstanding. Everything at Marishka's is delicious. And if you're just thirsty, they've got a full craft menu with a beautiful wooden bar. Uh, love the look of the bar at Marishka's and everything there. You know it's a place that's run with love, that's run with care, and it's uh, run with pride. And it's a place you'd be proud to take your friends and family out for a great dinner. So go visit our friends at Mariska's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Close only on Christmas Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go visit Marishka's. Check them out at com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H. K-A-S.
1: Oh, man. See, this is what we call in the business a really good segue opportunity because not only did we give you a lot of stuff in the first part of this show to kind of chew on, i.e. Mariska's delicious food, (laughs) but we also brought up the great folks at Triple Threat Sports who make jerseys, and that's incredibly appropriate because third jerseys will be back this coming NHL season after a year away, after the switch to Adidas, they will be bringing back third jerseys. Now we have not heard confirmed yet that the Blackhawks are going to have a third Jersey or not. If they do Jay, do you think they just go with the simple black Jersey like they used to do? Or do you think they try something different? Uh,
2: It's a good question. I, I whatever they do I want them just to avoid the Pollyanna collar so I'm going to put my vote in for the winter classic style jersey that was their thirds most recently because it would just have in my opinion probably just a solid black collar I mm-hmm. want to avoid the uh, little orphan Annie Pollyanna look if possible um, I think those black jerseys I loved them at the time but they they haven't aged well I think they look very dated and maybe it's because I associate those jerseys with an era gone by um, But to me, they just don't look very modern. So if I'm voting for a third that we've already seen before, obviously the first would be the barber pole jersey. I love those. They've never brought those back for whatever reason. But if it's not that, I'll go for the winter classic style, um, which I've always really liked. It looks super classy. There's not too much going on. Uh, so that would be my probably most realistic vote. How about you?
1: I'm going to say no to the third because I think that they're probably just going to stick with the plain black and I don't want them to do that I would say that if I was in charge of the Blackhawks jersey department I would simply settle for getting rid of the stupid collar and that would be that honestly like I would consider my off season a success if I just said you know what forget that collar third jersey don't really need it the red jersey looks great on its own the white jersey criminally underrated because everyone always talks about the the red jersey and how great it looks. I love the Blackhawks white jersey, man. I think it is a classic, excellent look and I would definitely be okay if they just got rid of the collar and just kept the two.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I prefer the original two. I do wish the NHL would switch back to white jerseys at home. I'm not going to die on that hill. It doesn't really upset me, but when I started loving hockey, the Hawks wore the white jerseys at home. And I thought it really looked great. I think if you look at the white jersey in detail, the red trim on the numbers just looks so awesome and so sharp. And I just think the white jersey is is a beautiful, beautiful jersey. And I miss seeing it at the United Center. But again, I'm not going to. I mean, the red one's awesome, too. I'm not sure, you know, um, I'm, I'm all for it. Just just do two. I don't I don't really need when you have two jerseys as perfect as the Hawks wear. You don't really need a third. I'm sure they'll do it because why not? It's something else you can sell. It's something else you can market. Uh, I don't know. I I just I couldn't care less if it comes back or not, to be honest with you. Bring it back. Cool. Don't. I'm cool, too. Um, But I think they will. And I do hope that if they do, it's not just the uh, rehashed black what they were in the uh, early 2000s wasn't a huge fan what if
1: what if they had the stadium series style design obviously not with like the reflective Indian head crest but I thought that jersey popped pretty well with the different kind of subtle accents to it and the striping I thought that that one actually looked pretty darn good
2: yeah the striping was are you talking about the uh the black one
1: Yeah, I'm talking about the one they wore at uh, Soldier Field in 2014.
2: Yeah, I don't know if Adidas is going to change the lines. You know what I mean? Like, are they going to tweak their lines for the thirds? Maybe they will. I did like those better than the blacks they wore in the 2000s. The Winter Mm -hmm. Classic ones I loved were the the two white versions they were. Not the ultra-modern ones with the stars, but the ones with the old-school Native American on them. They were just very classic hawks jerseys. They had, like, the lowered tomahawks on the sleeves. Right. I thought those looked great, just like classic old-school-looking Hawks jersey. But, um, yeah, I, would, yep. I, I didn't hate the stadium series, one, the black one you're talking about. I, I would, uh, But, like you said, eliminate the chrome part of it. That was awful. But the rest yeah, of it looked good.
1: Yeah, that wasn't a great
2: idea. Just don't overdo it. You know, just don't uh, overthink it. And I wonder if they can fix what got jacked up on the collars like will they do you think they'll actually like acknowledge like okay this looks bad because Montreal wasn't happy with it too they had sort of were stuck in the same situation so I wonder if they're gonna like listen to the fans and say okay oversight let's you know I think all they really need to do is take the part that like meets at the crest the logo right there on the chest and just move it back to like the collarbone area so it doesn't go all the way down and I think you solve the problem
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it would definitely give a better look to the collar if they just did that. I'd be, you know what? If that's all they want to do, they want to keep the rest of the collar intact. I'll accept that as long as they fix that bit of it. I think that that interruption of the continuity of the collar just, I hated it. I'm sure we've bored our listeners to death talking about jerseys. Do we want to go back to talking about the Stanley cup final?
2: Yeah. And again, like any of the stuff we talk about, feel free to hit us up via email, madhousepod at gmail.com. We always like to hear your guys thoughts. Even if we don't get to read every single one of them on the air, on the podcast, I do review them and see what you guys say. Sometimes I take the time to respond if there's a direct question in there. So feel free. Any, the jerseys, whatever, uh, write us, talk to us about it. We'd love to hear back from you guys um yes to the Stanley Cup final by the way speaking of jerseys I I had the more I see it the more I love the the Golden Knights jerseys I think they look outstanding and it's not like a traditional usually I'm a traditional like primary colors not a lot of edges things like that I think they did a really good job a classy job of making those jerseys especially the uh, home grays look great I think they look really awesome on the ice they really stand out without being gaudy, without being ridiculous, without being, like, overly modern. I really like what Vegas did with their jerseys. But, yeah, back to uh, the final. Um, one question I had for you is, you know, in two games here, I know it's you know early in the series, but if you had to pick a Conn Smythe winner uh, on each team, who do you think it would be at this point?
1: Well, I, I've been given this quite a bit of thought just because I think that, the the Con Smythe, I kind of love the fact that it's the entirety of the postseason
2: Allegedly, and not just right?
1: the final series. Like, I kind of dig that. Like, I like that it's not like Super Bowl MVP or World Series MVP or finals MVP. You got, your entire body of work gets considered. And I think for me with Vegas, like you can go March. us all I can see, like the argument. But I think ultimately, end of the day there's one reason that they're in the Stanley Cup final to begin with, and that is Marc-Andre Fleury. And he has, I believe it's like a 1.8 goals against average, just has had a phenomenal and ridiculous postseason run so far. And out of all the guys on the team, I know it's an easy thing to say that the goalie kind of carries you at times, but he has been just out of this world good throughout the season and then into the postseason. Like he's been... Just a joy to watch, and it's been so great seeing this resurgence from him in the desert with Vegas. It's just – it's been fantastic. And on the other side of the ice, you got to give it up for Braden Holtby, man. That guy was not the starting goaltender coming into the postseason, and he has taken that job back, and he has run with it in the playoffs. Has a 2.20 goals against average this postseason. Had probably the save of the playoffs tonight when he robbed Alex Tuck late in the third period to prevent Vegas from tying things back up. That dude has just been playing on another level, too, and he's been so instrumental in Washington's success, but – With all of that being said, and with as much as I love Braden Holpe, you got to give it to Alex Ovechkin unless somebody else just absolutely blows the rest of this series out of the water because he's been their leading goal scorer, just constantly doing everything on the ice, whether it's his physicality, whether it's his scoring touch, whatever it is, Alex Ovechkin has been able to do it. And this has been... He's always been like a solid postseason player. I think a lot of people kind of lose sight of the fact that if you average his stats out in the postseason for an 82 game season, he's actually a pretty damn good player, even in the playoffs, even though Washington hasn't had much success. And this postseason, he had a goal again tonight for the Caps. He's their leading goal scorer, like I said. I, I feel like this is kind of one of those things where unless Braden Holpe pitches three straight shutouts to lead Washington to this championship. I think you got to give that award to Alex Ovechkin.
2: Yeah, I agree with you I, on both fronts. I think that, Mark uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is for sure. If Vegas wins it, he's the guy. And even though by the time it's all said and done, Braden Holpe might deserve it. I think unless Alex Ovechkin absolutely falls off the map here in the selling Cup final, he's going to win it. They're going to find every way they can, to give it to Alex Ovechkin if the Caps win, um, those things sort of matter. The storylines matter; they play a role. I think we saw Patrick Kane win one when Corey Crawford probably deserved it, right? Um, I and think, he
1: even he said it as well,
2: right? I think you could see a similar thing with Alex Ovechkin this year, um, barring uh, a you know someone scoring you know six or seven goals in the final, and it becomes inevitable that you have to give it to that player. I think it's Ovechkin's to lose. I think it's Flurries to lose. And I don't think there's really, I don't think there's anyone really close uh, on the Vegas side. I think that when you look at the whole picture, like you said, of the playoffs, I think the flurry is for sure the reason they as far as their, you know, it, it, the reason they've gone as far as they have. And uh, he will be, uh, if Vegas wins the cup, he will be the one that, that earns it and wins it. And I think everyone will be pretty satisfied with that result.
1: Who hoists the Stanley Cup if Vegas wins? They don't have a captain.
2: It's Flurry. I think he's you. You, the,
1: you give it to him over one of the alternates. Uh, yeah.
2: I think he's the face of the team. I think that they think of him sort of as their captain. Um, remember, even before, you know, last season ended, everyone knew Marc Andre Fleury was going to be a Golden Knight. <laughs> it was people were talking about it as the Penguins were winning the Stanley Cup, right? Like, well, future Golden Knights goalie Marc Andre Fleury. <laughs> it was a given. And yeah. he embraced that role. He could have pouted about it. He could have whined about it. But he went in there from day one and became the face of that franchise. Uh, and it became official, obviously, at the draft. Um, and I think that it's just sort of the cherry on top of the season. He's going to win to Conn Smythe if they win the Cup. He should be the first guy to hoist the Stanley Cup. Uh, I think that any anything else would be a surprise. I, I'm sure, like, as the playoffs go on, uh, Bovada and those uh, betting sites are going to come up with these sort of these player odds. And I'd be interested to see how much of a lead Marc-Andre Fleury has on the next player on the team to hoist a cup. Um, I think it's for sure his to, to grab first. I, I think all it's this, this
1: con Smythe talk has me thinking about something that I found out the other day. Do you remember the last player to win the Conn Smythe award from the losing team?
2: Was it Ron Hextall?
1: It was not, but that is a very good guess. He did indeed win the Conn Smythe without his team winning the Stanley Cup. Um,
2: It was another goalie, wasn't it?
1: It was a goalie. I believe it was five players have won the Conn Smythe from the losing team, and four of them were goaltenders.
2: All right, who was the last one?
1: The last one in 2003... Jean Sebastian Giguerre oh, of the yeah. mighty ducks of Anaheim.
2: I remember him holding the con smythe while crying.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
2: Yeah, that's the visual that I oh man, that was rough. Yep. He was great though. He definitely deserved it. Mm-hmm. You, you talk about a guy... he,
1: he was the reason Anaheim was in that series, man. No oh, doubt, doubt about it.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Um, one thing by the way For those
1: I wanted to let listeners know if they were curious, mm-hmm. the other winners who oh, came yeah, from the losing it. team. Do you oh, we want to know that? Yes. You'll recognize one of the names for sure. Go for Roger it. Roger Crozier from the Crozier from the Detroit Red Wings mm-hmm. in nineteen sixty six. Nineteen sixty eight Saint Louis Blues goaltender Glenn Hall. Yep, I
2: know him. What, I've heard of him. What,
1: yep. Reggie Leach, the only non-goaltender to win for the losing team, won it with the Flyers in 1976. And as you have already brought up, Ron Hextall of the Philadelphia Flyers won in t- 1987.
2: Wow. Jeez, that's boy, 30 years ago. Boy, I remember that kind of vividly. And I'm old. Okay, one more <laughs> thing I want to get to. We had a question about this on Twitter yesterday, actually. And we got into it a little bit. Um, I, I should have held it, but my phone died. I can't find the tweet. Um, do we feel that penalties should be called differently in the playoffs? Um, and you and I both answered it. And my philosophy has always kind of been, if a penalty is a penalty, it's a penalty, right? Like, I don't care if it's October or June. If a guy hooks a guy down, it should be a hooking call. I think you should call the game consistently. That said, I know that's not realistic. I know that's not how the game works. So really what I want to see, and I've not seen it this series, there's been a ton of wishy-washy, it's a penalty for this guy and not for this guy sort of things. Whatever you're going to do, if you're going to swallow the whistle and let them play, do that for the entire series. Don't do it for one game. Don't do it for one period. If you're going to do you know, prison rules hockey, cool. I'm I'm here for it, but you've got to call it consistently because if you start to be unbalanced with it, like we saw it tonight, a cross check here penalty, a cross check here no penalty, when they're almost identical plays, either call it straight up or swallow the whistle, but it can't be both. That's what frustrates me, and I think what frustrates fans more than anything is the inconsistency.
1: I would agree with that. I think that I think what I ended up settling on was that I felt like in the postseason especially you should kind of let some of the tickier tack stuff go like it has to be blatant obstruction to call it an interference penalty in the playoffs I think that You have to kind of let some of the stick checking calls go unless it's a pretty blatant cross check. I hate the slashing the stick. If it breaks, it's automatically a penalty. I feel like sometimes it's just like, dude, you had a weak ass grip on your stick and it got knocked out of your hand. Boo fricking who? But I think outside of that, I think you basically should call the game the same, the entire way based on the fact that the guys have played the entire year under these rules. You don't want to really, change them that much and i get it officials don't want to dictate what happens in a game and you can do that if you either call too many penalties or too few but i still think your best bet is just consistency no matter what whether it's consistency in a series or consistency with what you've called all season long i think that's all the players want and i think that's all that fans should really you know demand and request too
2: all right buddy you ready to do some emails
1: Let's get at it.
2: Let's do it.
1: Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod.
2: The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's. <laughs> what? Well, good, good job, Jay. I just started Man, thinking that about was food some and good reading, my friend. Yes, it's it's always brought to you by our friends at Chuck Southern Covers Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit ChucksCafe.com for specials, for location information, all that good stuff. Chucks is awesome. Uh, I say it every week. If there, if you like food, you'll find something that you love at Chucks. They've got barbecue. They've got Mexican. They've got Cajun. They've got just your basic burgers and wings, uh, American fare, pub food, whatever you want to call it, uh, incredible desserts, incredible soups. Everything there is great. You'll find something for everyone at Chucks. So check them out, chuckscafe.com. And uh, make sure when you're there, you visit their bar. It is loaded with craft beers, 120 beers to be exact at a time, at least that many. You uh, you will you, If there's a beer you like, chances are Chuck's has it. So make sure you go there, eat the food, check out the bar. You'll have a great time at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. Again, chuckscafe.com, Burbank, Darien, go there, do it. First email comes from our friend Jason Mills last podcast we talked about our all d-bag team as you may recall and uh, jason immediately took issue with us not uh adding a couple guys we forgot claude lemieux we forgot sean avery two big oversights on our part uh, oh man
1: in, sean avery i feel awful about
2: yeah in our in fairness we do not pre-screen these questions so things become you know uh we have to react in real time so we don't have time to like really make sure we think of everyone in history but Lemieux and Avery giant oversights we suck we should be fired from our own podcast
1: yeah I agree let's let's go ahead and have uh, that listener be the new host
2: <laughs> all right Alex B says hello Jay and James how are you guys doing he actually said James first but I read it backwards sorry uh do you guys see the Hawks trying to package the two first rounders to move up maybe fifth or sixth or staying put at eighth And who should the Hawks draft? Um, Those are good questions. Last podcast, we mentioned how um, they're probably going to look best available. And probably predictably at eight, the best available player will be a defenseman. That said, uh, they do really love Brady Kachuk. If he's there at eight, they will take him. Assuming nothing major changes with him from now until the draft. Um, I think the best available is probably the best way to go. Uh, They have a lot of needs. Um, best available defenseman is what I meant to say. Um, they have a lot of needs, but D is the one organizationally where they're really, really shallow. Um, so I'd like to see them address whoever they find, whoever they think is the best or maybe the most ready defenseman. Take him and run. I even if Kachuk's there, I say okay, great, fine. Maybe he turns out to be a star for somewhere else. But the Hawks need defensemen, and uh, I want to see them address that in, in the draft. Maybe they trade up. Maybe they don't. Whatever. Uh, but it needs to be addressed.
1: I don't think they need to trade up necessarily to get a guy that can potentially make an impact in, in a year or two. I feel like everybody pretty much can already pencil in Ross Mastala going to the Buffalo Sabres at number one. But I think outside of him, there is still probably a good solid five or six guys that I could realistically see in the NHL within a year or two. Like, it's not like they're going to come in – they make an immediate impact because those guys are very few and far between, but they could easily do an Alex DeBrinkett type jump where they play one more year, a junior or whatever, and then make the leap up. So I think that maybe unless they just absolutely have to have a guy like a Brady Kachuk or something like that, like I could see them maybe doing it. But I sort of doubt it for that reason that there's just so many guys that I do feel like can be, you know, impact players in a year or two in the NHL. Now, in terms of who they should draft, I do like the best available strategy quite a bit. Obviously, there are a ton of really good defensemen that are potentially going to be on the board for the Blackhawks, whether you're talking Noah Dobson, you're talking about uh, Quinn Hughes is another really good one played at University of Michigan had three assists in the world junior championship. There's two guys right now that I've been watching a little bit of tape on, and I'm actually really digging the way that they play. It's London defenseman, Evan Bouchard who had 25 goals this season on the blue line for London, just an incredibly dynamic player on the back end. And I know that that league in particular, just they get a ton of offense. I get it. Whatever. He's still awesome. Still very fun to watch. The other guy, it has been Sault Ste. Marie's Barrett Hayton. I believe it's Hayton, H-A-Y-T-O-N. He had 21 goals and 39 assists this season. And I've seen a lot of comparisons of his game to a guy that you and I, Jay, I know love a lot, and that's uh, Shark Center Joe Pavelski. Like, he's got a lot of those elements to his game. I've seen it in what I've watched of his YouTube clips and that kind of stuff. So, Barrett Hayton – and evan bouchard are two guys that i've really been enjoying watching and i would strongly advise that blackhawks fans check out because i think that a center or a defenseman in that eight spot could be a really smart idea
2: two good names bouchard by the way uh anyone from the london go- uh london not golden knights from the london knights uh, that is a factory for nhl players go on their wikipedia page and look at some of the alumni of the uh of the knights of the London Knights and you'll be blown away that is a place a junior team that develops NHL talent at, a, at an alarming rate didn't uh, some
1: guy named Patrick Kane play for them
2: I think so yes I believe that's correct no that is totally correct Patrick Kane is uh, for sure a London Knight so yeah
1: I believe I believe Dave Boland also played for the London Knights if memory serves yes that's true there, I mean it is you could go on for hours with London Knights that
2: that's so to me if there's a guy on the board and you're sort of like wishy-washy about which one you want if a guy played for London, to me that's a tiebreaker, because that that's a system, that's a team, that's an organization that knows how to develop NHL talent. So that's you know that's always a good thing when you're an NHL team. Mm-hmm. Next email from Ginge. He says, "Oh, the Ginge yeah, How I miss him. I don't really miss him, but he's back." Um, <laughs> he says, uh, "It's Monday, and the Golden Knights just made the Cup final. This was uh, you know nine days ago." He says, I preface this question this way because I assume it'll be a month before you get this. Anyway, with the Golden Knights making the cup final without a true superstar, is it possible that it's better to have a deep team instead of a top-heavy team like the Hawks? Could it be better for the team to do the unthinkable and trade away top-salaried guys for two or three people? Your favorite emailer of all time, Ginge. This is the question. How often
1: does it happen that a superstar isn't on the cup winning team see how often does that happen
2: I know but what we've seen in sports especially over the last 10-15 years is as soon as a team wins a championship doing something a little bit differently than other teams did you see everyone start to copy that right everyone's like oh we got to do it like that that's how it works look the Blackhawks won Stanley Cups because of their depth yes Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith and all those guys were great but they don't win Stanley Cups without Nicholas Jalmerson and Dave Boland and Brian Bickle and Dustin Bufflin and uh, you know Johnny Oduya and all those guys who had incredible playoffs that were like second-tier, third-tier guys on the team. That was depth. That's what was the difference between those teams and the Hawks team we saw this year and last year, that four lines and three pairs that you can roll out with total confidence, that's what the Knights have. And yeah, while they don't have a Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taves type player on their team, I think I've said it several times on this podcast, they've got four second lines and they've got three second pairings and that's tough to beat, right? When you've got every player on your team, you can trust to be on the ice that that is depth and that's what wins championships, whether or not there's there's star players on that team there. This is not the NBA where one star player is. Can carry you to a championship, or two star players can carry you. You need a strong supporting cast in hockey, and uh, that is what Vegas. That's how Vegas is doing it, and quite frankly, it's how the Capitals are doing it too.
1: Well, I mean, the Capitals do have a couple of pretty good superstars. Of course, it's not like they are just like Depth City over there. I mean, they do have. That Alex Ovechkin guy. They do have Nick Backstrom. They do have Evgeny Kuznetsov. Right, but my
2: point is that even with those guys, that's not enough to win a championship. They right. need the Jay Beagles and the uh, Brooks Orpics and those sort of those guys that are not top tier players to play important minutes and do important things for the team. Without them, they're not a championship team. That's all I'm saying. Of course, stars Fair are. Enough. I think stars are a good thing, but Ginger's question of our team's going to start trading their stars for depth. I wouldn't be surprised to see a team or two try that because like I said, sports are copycat and some team might look at that and say, you know what, we've got this really great player, but we could have two really good players for his salary. So interesting thing to keep an eye on.
1: And like I said earlier, like just because it worked for one team doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for somebody else. And I'll go ahead and I'll say that again about, this instance because once again I feel like it's appropriate to do so.
2: Yep, totally agree. Um, next email he says uh oops, sorry, I lost it here. Uh with the Western this is from Eric and Hinsdale. He says with the Western Conference Finals on TV, I'm reminded of the Blackhawks twenty fourteen loss to the Kings. As much as I think of their three cup seasons, twenty four eats at me as the one that got away. Do you guys feel the same? I will speak for myself, absolutely. Oh yeah and I think I made the joke about Joe Plenville at the time. It was like two cups. Yep. Should be three. They should have won the cup that year. There were a lot of personnel decisions during that playoff run that just drove me crazy. Uh, Brandon Bolig being in the lineup every night, not every night, but most nights to play two, three minutes to have some sort of presence. That was total BS while better players were on the bench, not playing. Um, and of course they lose in overtime of game seven. Uh, that one did get away and that one still stings to me. That one, It felt like they should have won. They blew multiple leads in that game seven. And, uh, yeah, that one for sure is the one that got away. And and I think everybody knew whoever won that Western Conference final was going to go on and pace the Rangers, and that's exactly what the Kings did.
1: I I would agree with that. I definitely think that uh, the 2014 Cup I do think a lot about because I really do think that the Blackhawks should have beaten the Kings and they absolutely would have decimated the Rangers if they had played in the cup final and we'd be talking about a team that had won potentially three straight cups if they had gone on to win that and I think that obviously we can always argue also that they may not have won the third cup if they'd won that second one maybe they would have you know not had that quite fire in their belly to go back in and win again like they did in 2015 but man I do think about that 2014 run quite a bit
2: yeah it's hard not to man it's just it felt like again they were the best team in the west and it was uh it was just that one sucks that one stings but you know what makes it feel better the other three
1: <laughs> yep three three cups is pretty good
2: not bad my friend let's do it again soon all right well that's going to do it for this edition of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast thanks for sticking with us uh throughout the playoffs here we will have a lot of hawks news coming up in the next couple weeks with the draft with free agency all that good stuff remember the uh, transaction season begins hot and heavy right around the draft so uh what first second week of uh, uh, or second or third week of june you'll start to see some things falling even if they're not happening you'll see a lot of rumors so it's going to be an interesting time very soon in blackhawks land but until then enjoy the stanley cup final go caps go knights go whoever just make sure it stays as entertaining as it's been through two games from my partner james Naveau, i'm jay zawoski thanks for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast which has been brought to you by triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris at 708-478-6090 mariska's and crest hill family owned and operated since 1933 and chuck's southern comforts cafe with locations in burbank and darien visit chuckscafe.com we'll talk to you next time on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. (laughs) Aw,
1: babe, just a few.
0: (laughs) All right. I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. (laughs) The smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks, only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.
1: Behind every company, there's a time-tested engine keeping it moving. By earning your accounting degree online from Grand Canyon University, you can advance your career by identifying business efficiencies and building business models. Become a core team member by keeping business on budget and on track to success. What do you think accounting
0: careers look like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.